Lacrosse All-Stars presents In Your Face Laxcast, unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics of the game of lacrosse. I'm Ryan Dennehy, joined with my co-host, the legend, Andy Towers. Before we get into the show, just want to thank all of our listeners over the last week. We've gotten incredible feedback, learned a ton that will definitely help us create a better product for you all that you want to listen to. Feel free to subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter, In Your Face Lax, uh, for more information. But wow, AT, close to 1,000 viewers, or excuse me, listeners on our first go around. Pretty good. Wow, I had no idea we were that important. Uh, that is just, that's just, just there's, no, there's no replacement for intensity and passion. Certainly, the listeners are bringing that to the table. Puts a lot of pressure on us into the second podcast, RD. Uh, I'm going to some tight. I got my eye black on, and uh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. For those who reached out about audio, we're very close to resolving that solution, you know, getting a solution to that. I'm in Philly. Uh, and AT is in Connecticut, so there's some challenges to it, but we'll get taken care of in the next couple of episodes. Uh, but it was a wild weekend of lacrosse. Uh, the ACC was a complete dumpster fire. Uh, the Ivy went undefeated on the weekend. Um, oh, wait, uh, not really. Dartmouth lost the sticker part. Uh, the Patriot you know what? League that's, 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 kind of undefe- that's, that's undefeated for the Ivy League. <laughs> uh, the Patriot League was just that. The Patriot League, great wins, weird wins, the 5-1. Five to, five to one. Uh, and weird losses, uh, but let's go through a speed round of some of the some of the games this weekend. At AT Syracuse Albany, you know, not surprised by the outcome at all. We each pick Syracuse. Um, I think Albany is a dynamic offensive team as well, but uh, in the end, too much Ben Williams. You lose seventy five percent of the faceoffs. You're going to have a tough team beating uh, someone like Syracuse with the offense that they have. Not surprised. No doubt. No doubt. Derek Joe was definitely my favorite player in that game. What a left-handed bomb. He was impressive. Uh, what about uh, over to you, Maryland High Point? The third quarter was the story on this one. Torp had a uh, great game plan going in. Got a lot of help he needed from his goalie. Tim Troutner had 10 saves on 14 shots on goals. Uh, so it was in the first half. It was 6-4 to four at the half. But in the end, the Terps were too strong for the Panthers. They outscored them 7-3 in the third, 11-4 overall. I wrote that tweet last week about Denver. Uh, Air Force Air Force took it to me, went uh, 5-0 in the third quarter and lost. Well, on this one, uh, Maryland took it to them. Colin Heacock with three goals, Rambo 2-1. They're just going to have great years. They're going to put up numbers all year long. UVA Drexel, AK. Uh, you know, we called it last week. UVA would bounce back. And they really got back to who they are by almost doubling Drexel in ground balls and, and ultimately in shots because of those game possessions. Um, not a surprise by it at all. Uh, you know, Dom said it was a big relief in some of the uh, articles that I read after the game. Uh, but UVA has high point tonight. So do they let down? You know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen there? Personally, I think that's a Drexel's a game they should win. Why are we thinking about that game? UVA should beat those teams. Over to Cornell. Penn State visiting Cornell. What do you think, R.D.? So here's the situation. Penn State, I mean, is Saunders immense? Grant immense, the freshman. Uh, is T.J. Saunders Grant immense? Is that the attack that we're going to see for Penn State to take them to that big-time season they need? They've got two great uh, – Great midfields in Florence and Aponte, or Aponte, I apologize if I'm, I'm butchering his name. Uh, one thing I'm worried about. He'll get over it. 
<laughs> One thing I'm worried about Penn State is their goalie situation. 47% in the cage is not good. I got two words for you. Player development. Uh, in terms of uh, Cornell, uh, it's just too early to tell right now. Just chalk it up to uh, chalk it up to getting beat by a potentially very good team early on. Uh, the, I personally, I think uh, they'll bounce back against Hobart this weekend. Here's the deal, AT. I'm going to say this. I know this is a speed round, but after last year, Tambo like was a hot topic amongst a lot of our college, our, our friends uh, in the sport. Uh, personally, if anyone ever thinks that Tambo at any point at his time at Penn State might be thinking of moving on in terms of their administration, get out of here. You're out of your right. mind. I mean, contact, to be alone. Duke, contact Duke and let Duke give you the heads up when they're getting Rishi Shevsky. It'll make sense. It's so true. I was certainly impressed, uh, you know, that even though Cornell lost the game, uh, they still, in typical Cornell fashion, won the toughness stats in ground balls and face-offs. I still think they are too young on offense. You know, they lost some big, big-time players, uh, you know. Uh, but, and, and I think in the short term, they need some more scheme support on the offensive end until they get their legs underneath them. But to lose yeah. by one goal to Penn State, uh, but still, you know, put it a decent showing. I think I think Cornell's good things are going to come for Cornell. It's way too early to give up on that. I don't I don't disagree with you at all. Penn, Michigan, AK. Yeah. Uh, you know, the key thing here is I think the game went as we thought it would, and we thought it would be a close game and a good game. You know, in the end, Penn ended up beating them, obviously, by two goals. The key stack goes back to what you said last week is that the better teams win the third quarter, and Penn won the third quarter 6 zip. and you have to credit, again, that veteran coaching staff of uh, Penn with making the adjustments to come out and, and open the game up in the third quarter. Interesting next game for Penn versus Virginia. Um, you know, Penn comes into that game having beaten an ACC team seemingly every year. And maybe that stat isn't exactly correct, but they've, they've had some really, really good success against some ACC teams. Uh, and Duke, or I'm sorry, sorry, Virginia coming off that win at Drexel, bounce back win versus Drexel. Are they going to be uh, continuing down the path of the team that, that played Drexel, or do they digress feeling too happy and Penn comes in and takes advantage of it? So it'll be interesting to see that outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, how about uh, Notre Dame, Georgetown, RG? Did that surprise you? First off, I can't believe that I thought the game was in D.C. Somebody put a bullet in my head. Listen, I, listen, I, Ryan, I Ryan, you, you've, 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 you've never been a geography major, okay? <laughs> We've known that, right? You're heavy on passion, heavy on intensity, super uh, light on geography, and super light on willpower. But go ahead. Guys, you, for our listeners, you guys got to tweet at us when we make egregious statements like that. I thought the game was in D.C., whatever. Uh, bottom line, it wasn't a surprise here. G-Town G just isn't at the level. And you know what? Most of Division One lacrosse isn't at the level of the top four teams in the country right now. Uh, I mean, even Las Vegas Lions had to spread by a half point. I mean, it wasn't a surprise for anyone. I don't think anyone went in there thinking that they were going to make the upset. Uh, especially being in Georgia. Um, so no, no question that uh, it was a great game to watch. Sergio Perkovic came out, 
uh, had a great game. One of the big questions that I'm going to ask right now is Kavanaugh 100%. I'm hearing rumors right now that he is not 100%, that he might be a little banged up. Uh, and if that's the case, are we in for yet another year where Kavanaugh is in? Is he out? Is he kind of going to be there? Well, he had five goals, but he was hurt. Uh, you know, all these excuses coming out. Is he going to be 100%? I know they got a couple of big games coming up. We'll see. We'll Look, see. here's the reality. If, if, if Kavanaugh isn't 100% and he went one and four, uh, I'll take Kavanaugh at not 100% every single game. You know, he's, uh, he's a certain first-team All-American this year. Uh, what, what stuck out for this game was, was, to me at least, was their studs got it done. Kavanaugh was 1-4, Perkovich was 4-0, St. Doss had 16 saves, 7 goals allowed. Um, you know, I think the way that Kavanaugh plays, he's never going to be 100%. You know, he, he looks like, you know, Doug Knight. 20 years after Doug Knight with the way that he throws his body around with reckless abandon. It's really willing to take any amount of pain associated with being successful. So I, I don't, I think the answer is he's going to be hurt all year. He's probably hurt right now. We're probably saying he's not hundred percent. He's probably closer to, you know, 60% only. He knows the answer, but I think he's going to be, uh, you know, somebody that, that leads Notre Dame. I, you know, quite possibly all the way to the national championship. So I'm not worried about, Matt Kavanaugh in, uh, in, by any stretch. Perfect. That's it for the speed round. When we come back, reca- recaps of the biggest games of the weekend, including two huge upsets. It'll be a really short break for you and a nice long for us. For us, Maximizer Comfort. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. With the speed run over, we move on to our biggest games of the weekend. Number 18, Harvard, versus number 20, Villanova. Those rankings have since changed, of course. This was this from this past weekend. On a 60-degree day, day in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and if you're looking for a shootout, you got it. 88 shots combined, 53 coming from Villanova. Gutsy win from Harvard. The question is asked, and it's asked more than once, and it's asked year to year, is this Harvard's year, AD? You know, they certainly have the personnel for it, and I think that something that doesn't get enough credit is the impact that Coach DeLuca is having on that program. I think that back to the days of Coach DeLuca being at Cornell, I think everybody that knows the Ivy League at least would say that Cornell has, you know, their greatest strength as a program has always been the culture of the program. And I think Mm -hmm. people would also say that, you know, a, a program like Harvard has always gotten, you know, the best of the best players, yet the culture of the program has sort of prevented it from ever really reaching its potential and competing for more outright Ivy championships, you know, than they have in the past. And I think that to show them gutting out a win against one of the best coach teams in Mike Carrado and Villanova, uh, you know, they, they were down six, two at one point and they came all the way back and won in overtime. Uh, they started a new goalie, 19 saves by new goalie, Robert Shaw, who, you know, Coach Wojcik had said it earned it outright through his performance in preseason, beating out last year's part-time starter in Brian Moore. Um, you know, so credit their staff for starting, you know, uh, Robert Shaw, who obviously proved them right, uh, looks to be a, a position of strength for, for Harvard moving ahead. Um, factor in that Villanova's face-off guy, Luke Palmadesso from Paul Incredible. York, Yorktown, he goes 20 for 28. Against you know the Harvard group, James Sullivan, guys that again were are regarded as some of the very best of the best to go twenty for twenty eight and give them all those possessions and lose by a goal in overtime is both 
uh, a scary thing for Villanova to know that they had that great an advantage in the possession time, yet weren't able to pull out this victory. And it speaks very favorably to Harvard being able to uh, still gut out a win, come back, and do it, giving away that many possessions. That was uh, that stat jumped out at me. Um, you know, game-winning goal, Morgan Cheek. His mom was a 12-letter athlete at Harvard in the early 90s. Uh, it, it, clearly, he got his mom's genes. You know, that was a great <laughs> performance for him. You know, next game coming up versus Holy Cross today, you've got to believe that Harvard wins that game. And then they go to a gauntlet. They go at UMass. They go uh, to UMass. They go to Duke. They play Bryant on the road, which is scary. Uh, and then they play go to Penn State before they play uh, the big, bad Bears of Brown. So Harvard's <laughs> schedule starts to get really tough really fast. Uh, they needed this win, and they got it. They did. What they you did. 88, 88 shots, AT. 88 shots. I was there at the game, and 19 of them were via Fercaro, brother. 22% of the shots were taken by two kids, 14 by Jake Fukaro. Uh, listen, the Fukaros are impressive, impressive players. Uh, just watching them. If, you, if you're a fan out there and you're able to go see a Villanova game, you've got to go watch the Fukaro brothers. They are skill set-wise some of the best out there. Uh, they're really, really impressive. Um, obviously, a 14-shot performance by Jake, uh, not having that much success on it. Um, that he's obviously going to find the net. Uh, but again, I was really impressed with Paul Modesto, 20-28. Robert Shaw. I mean, there was quite a few shots that the Villanova shot right into the stick. But to stand tall as a freshman in that kind of a stage on the first game of the year for the entire program, where listen, let's face sophomore. it, like you said, sophomore. Uh, is he yeah. sophomore? He's sophomore. Oh, wow, yeah. I totally blew that one. Um, you know, let's face it, this is a big year for Harvard uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, and like we always mention, everyone's always mentioned Harvard's got the tools, but can they finish it? Certainly adding Ben DeLuca to staff has made, obviously, in my point of view, just from watching, you know, the sidelines, the kids on the field, uh, the discipline out there, it's made a huge difference. Uh, it, 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 it should be an interesting year. I put Harvard and Yale, as I've mentioned before, up there to the potential of being able to get to a Final Four. Jahelka, Dudniak, I mean, those kids on defense are monsters. It's they got awesome players, to watch. They yeah. do. They do. So they got the players, and I think they have the staff now, too. You know? Yeah, um, they've got it all. So. They've got it all. Moving on, uh, you look at one of the biggest games of the weekend, certainly Loyola, Johns Hopkins, at Loyola. You know, what were your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, now, so my initial thoughts are how good is Johns Hopkins really and how good is Loyola? I mean, obviously, you put, I think they're almost identical teams and have proved themselves on the game field uh, in a 9-8 game. Um, but I, my questions really are, okay, Loyola comes in, they beat Johns Hopkins. Great. Loyola beat Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Great. Are, are those two really big contests? I mean, we've already talked about it. The top four teams in the country are at a different they're, – they're on a whole different world stage right now. And they have been, to be honest, for the last couple of years. Uh, and so some of the things that I'm looking at, I'm like, does – you know, is Hairwire going to be the guy uh, to really take it to the next level? Is Sherlock the kind of guy that takes that loyal to the next level? Um, you know, certainly they've got a good goalie in cage. Um, it was a shootout, 83 combined shots, uh, but only 17 combined goals from both teams. So I had a lot of questions uh, coming out of that. 
Uh, are these two elite teams or are these two teams that are going to end up not doing fairing so well, uh, you know, come quarterfinal time in the national tournament against the top four? Look, I think that first and foremost, I can make an argument that Loyola is the number one team in the country at this point. You know, after yep. uh, the start that they've had to beat, to smash Virginia, and then to come back and beat Hopkins, who played against a very good Navy team. No, no team in the country, um, you know, has those two types of wins. Uh, so yep. I think they are absolutely to be considered with that very top group. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. You know, they came back and beat. Virginia and Hopkins. You know, Hopkins went, obviously, to the Final Four last year, had a great year, and Virginia was coming off a down year. I'm sorry, Loyola was coming off a down year where they didn't make the playoffs. I think their final record was 7-8. and eight. And for them to play, uh, you know, as well as they did after coming off a big win against Virginia, it kind of sets up as a letdown game for Loyola. Again, credit Charlie and those guys for getting them ready to play, and they stepped up and they, and they beat a team that, you know, I think is very good. I think Hopkins is, is a very good team. They certainly have to redefine themselves a little bit due to the loss of their two, you know, probably best playmaking midfielders. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think that Hopkins is, is definitely a top-eight team, and I think Loyola's in that top group. Um, again, I think that Loyola cements themselves by not letting down with the next game coming up for them against Lafayette. You figure they're going to roll there. And then they play Sean Madeline and Towson. And I think that that's going to be yet another one-goal game, uh, you know, when it goes down in about 10 days from now. I, I have always believed that big-time attackmen determine national championships. And, you know, certainly Ryan Brown is a big-time attackman. But here's the deal. He got shut down. I mean, as a big-time attackman, are you truly a big-time attackman if you get shut down? Now, Foster Hunter is a great, great, great defenseman but look on the other half you got pat spencer you got two very elite uh but do you have the jordan wolf i mean do you have the cavanaugh's in each team do you have the connor carazaro that's going to get you to the national championship those are my questions really for loyola and hop uh can ryan brown step it up into the next game and not get shut down like he did in the last one um you know those are the questions i have but Loyola Very valid. Is, is, a, is a well-coached team, so they put the offense together. And, and Hopkins is always going to be there. Those kids are always experienced. They, they, they play basically an entire season longer than most teams in the NCAA because they continuously get to the experience in the, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's a valid point. You know, valid point. Uh, um, so here we go. One of the other big games, Denver-Duke. Uh, personally, I thought this was as expected, going to be a great game, and it certainly was. What did you think, A.T.? Yeah, I, it was an awesome game. You know, obviously you've got two heavyweights going blow for blow. You know, when we spoke last week leading up into this game, you know, we discussed the, the matchup at the X between uh, Kyle Rowe and Trevor Baptiste, and we had said, I at least I had said, that Rowe, uh, you know, was going to get his fair share of wins, and he did that. I believe he won the first five faceoffs of the game. Uh, you know, only to see Baptiste come back and win 13 out of 19 in the second half, you know, as Denver found a way to win the game, you know, and I think that that's obviously, uh, obviously a credit to Baptiste. But again, it's, it's just another example of Bill Tierney finding a way to win a close game. Now, you know, uh, Duke has certainly have proved that they are a May team and not a February team. Um, but uh, so we'll see where they are. You know, I'm not sure this loss, you know, concerns John Donowski very much. Um, but I just feel that, 
you got to go. Everything has got to go through Bill Kieran. If you're gonna, if you're gonna ultimately go on and compete for a national championship, and John Donowski's obviously done that, you know, a few times at Duke. I think we're going to see these two teams playing against each other. Uh, if it's not the Final Four, it's going to be in the championship game. But this, they're going to they're going to end up playing each other again. Again, absolutely. Uh, I do have questions for both teams. Miles Jones, Deemer class. Is anyone denying they're some of the best midfielders in the country? 100%. You could argue. I think they're one, two, um, four goals from Deemer, uh, three and two from Miles. But again, what, three combined goals from their attackmen. I personally just don't think in today's game that gets it done. It doesn't get it done. So that's the question I have. Of course, they come out and end up doing really well. I mean, if they keep, you know, getting four and three and four and three from Deemer and Miley, well, hey, listen, they're going to get pretty far, but can they steal the deal? Uh, And my other questions are for Denver. How many times can you put Zach Miller on the wings to play a faceoff and still have him at 100%? on the offensive end where you need them. We definitely need them. And I know they cycle everyone in and out, and I know they've got, you know, it's basically six guys on offense. It's not necessarily attack and midfielders. It's, it's guys getting rotated in. They're looking for the best matchups. They've got some great schemes. Um, but, you know, they're the ones that have their Jordan Wolf at attack. Connor Carazero doesn't come off the field. He's on there all time. He's incredibly dynamic. He can break down anyone in the country. You have to slide to him. You have to respect him. You have to know everywhere on the field where he is. And that, to me, is more of a recipe, continued long-term sustained success than a team like Duke where they've got their horses in between the lines, but not necessarily uh, behind an axe. Yeah, you know, I, I get your point about the attack. You need to have a uh, bigger role in terms of scoring goals. Look, they're playing against Denver. They're playing against Bill Terry's coach team. You know, I think everybody would agree that you know, attackmen uh, shoot a higher scoring percentage than midfielders do. You know, who's to say that Bill Tierney isn't saying, you know what, we're playing against two first-team All-American midfielders. You know, they're going to maybe get their goals, but overall we're going to win the war. Um, you know, you just you just don't know for sure what the, what the game plan was there. But at the end of the day, uh, it's a W for Bill Tierney and, uh, and a loss for Duke. So clearly he, he did what they had to do to win the game. Um, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how, how each team – develops over the course of the season uh, my bet is they each get stronger and i think we're going to see another really close game when they ultimately meet again i don't i don't disagree with that at all moving on to our two major upsets of the weekend the first major upset ohio state umass i kind of called it in our last podcast you can't just go to the zoo I didn't think they were going to actually pull off and certainly didn't think they were going to smack them in the face. But you can't just go to the zoo uh, with a Canela coach team and think you're going to walk all over them, ranked 11th in the country at the time. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on that game? Uh, you know, I would say, I would say uh, you know, that was more of a mid-major upset, a little more like, you know, Miami of Ohio in football. I don't see that as a major, major upset. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that, look, we both picked UMass in that game, and they certainly didn't disappoint us. Um, you know, it was the first game played on uh, the newly surfaced Garber Field. Uh, yep. You know, I, I look at the box score, and I'm just so happy to see that there's still guys playing for UMass named Buddy, let alone scoring four goals. Shout out to <laughs> Buddy Hoffman. <laughs> 
and it's a tough <laughs> place to play. I mean, UMass is just they keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And after we watched them, you know, lose to Army, I wasn't positive that, uh, you know, that they would get it done with a W, but I thought that they would definitely cover. But credit Greg Cannell, as you said last week, he's one of the, the best coaches in the sport, and uh, he certainly got them ready to play. And, you know, for them to put a seven-goal victory up on Ohio State, who I think has been one of the very hottest programs in the last three, four years, you know, you watch them upset Duke in the NCAA tournament last year, um, and they just seemingly have gotten really good really fast. So this is a this is a, a tough loss for you, uh, OSU on the road, but a great win for Greg Canella, Greg Canella and UMass, and, and hopefully it's uh, it's the first of many for them moving ahead. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We uh, I was looking at the stats. Uh, I'm a little concerned at both teams' goalie performance. OSU uh, had six saves for 27 percent, and both goalies for UMass, uh, one of them being a Bowerica kid, DJ Smith. Uh, combined for five saves and less than 40%. So those are two strange. Uh, yeah, strange because really Tom, Tommy, Tommy Carey for OSU was a New Canaan kid. So he had six saves, and your <laughs> Bill Ricker guy got five saves. I think there's a W in there for me over you a little bit. Um, <laughs> he was but, yeah, that's disappointing. So. It is. Yeah. It is disappointing. But here's the thing. Uh, Ohio State, obviously, is a different team. They no longer have Logan Schuss. I mean, if, if anyone was able to see Logan Schuss play, he was, it was literally a father-son game out there. It was scary. I was able to coach <laughs> against him uh, when I was at Michigan. And literally, he would walk up. I felt like a little boy. And I'm a big guy. I felt like a little boy next to him. And he certainly wow. played like a man on the field. Jesse King was his next, you know, the predecessor to, to, to Logan, and uh, he killed it. I mean, it took him a little longer, um, but he was a big reason for the success. They no longer have those two kind of studs. Who's going to be the step up for, for OSU? Uh, they've, got, they've got a young, young team. Certainly they're recruiting really well, uh, but it's just curious where Ohio State's going to fall. Then on the other half, you've got UMass. What kind of UMass team are we going to see this year? And I know it's, it's a different uh, situation in UMass recruiting-wise. You know, you're going to have your up and downs uh, with UMass. But here's the thing. With the monster loss in Mariano, it's almost like those kids are rallying around each other and just like a complete screw-you attitude to everyone. And it's like, fine, leave the program. We're going to kill it now. And certainly they've started off pretty well, and they have another test at Harvard coming up. So Yeah, that's going to be quite tough. That Harvard UMass game is going to be a critical game for both teams. Both um, teams. Yep, it's going to be interesting to see they play that at, you know, at the Hill, uh, you know, Garber Field. They love when the Ivy League teams come to play there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, so I mentioned it last be, uh, year. It's going to be a great game. I mentioned it last year. I'm not so sure there's a there's a bigger white collared versus blue collared game in the country in Division One lacrosse than UMass versus Harvard. Uh, so it's, it's right. always a nice right. uh, Last uh, game, last upset. Go ahead, A.T. I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll throw it. Actually, I'll throw it to you. Hofstra <laughs> going to UNC. Uh, I would definitely put major upset on this. I think I even laughed when I picked UNC laying, I think, four and a half to Hofstra at home. Um, you know, obviously Hofstra stepped up and, and played great uh, winning that game. What did you think? Uh, first off, I had, the, I had the fortunate ability to play against San Linares in Vail 
uh, for the last couple summers or a couple summers ago. That kid is a monster. Uh, yeah, he's having Josh Byrne, he really is a stud. And just watching him play a little freelance lacrosse, you know, you can tell a lot about a player when he's not in a structured system and how he plays. And certainly in Vail, there are small intricacies of the Vail game. As dumb as people might think, uh, you really got to play with a lot. You know, you got to play a lot smarter. Um, and you see these college kids, a lot of them are just like 150 miles an hour going out there, shooting at 150 miles an hour. Sam takes the game in. Every time he touches the ball, he's honestly a quarterback. And he plays at the midfield position. He's a quarterback on the field. Uh, and he's just really smart. Every values the ball so much. Uh, you know, five goals. What a monster. Josh Byrne, uh, Nassau Community College transfer. Uh, four goals. Two co-attackment of the year. Making a major impact right off the bat for Hofstra. Uh, you can only imagine uh, the, the coaching staff's uh, not necessarily surprise, but enjoyment in getting a guy like him midway through with the experience and the talent that he has. Um, you know, certainly six fourth quarter uh, saves by Jack and Cannon uh, put everything, it, it really did. It sealed the deal for Hofstra. Uh, Hofstra, you know, again, much like UMass, you just don't necessarily know what team you're going to get every year. You know, their rosters yep. change dramatically from year to year yep. just because right. you've got guys like the uh, community uh, college guys, the JUCO transfers. So teams like that oftentimes have different rosters. Um, but I'll tell you, it seems like they're ready to roll this year. They've got a good lineup, a good roster. Uh, so it's interesting. But on the other half, you've got UNC, and things are getting a little scary out there. Yeah, they. they I, well, I would just echo your sentiment about the impact of Josh Byrne coming in there scoring Four goals, uh, you know, finally uh, Linares has somebody that can complement his style of play. Although what was a strange stat to me was that Sam had five goals and Byrne had four goals. I would have expected Sam to have uh, more assists in the game. But, again, they won the game. And, you know, clearly those two guys uh, are a two-headed monster for any defensive coordinator left on Hofstra's schedule. Um, the, the, the stats, that a couple of stats really stuck out for me. Number one, to see UNC lose the ground ball battle 35 to 2023 blows me away. You know, with the athletes that UNC has recruited down there over the last, you know, few years, I just, I, I find it hard to believe that anybody's more athletic or anybody's faster than the players on that roster. So that, that shocked me quite a bit to see that. Uh, and then beyond that, on the offensive end, you know, uh, not simply offense, but, but a lot of it. You know, for UNC to have more turnovers, 16, than total points, seven in five goals and two assists for the UNC offense, that's just baffling. You know, they put up so 20 true. against Michigan in the first, first game of the season, and, you know, I, I, I was whistling the tune that UNC was much more dangerous now that they lost some predictability of depending upon – you know, Biddy, uh, Bitter, and Sankey, and Chad Totten, and felt like, you know what, even though they lost some big, big stars, this team is more dangerous simply due to uh, the unknown of who's going to beat us. And, and putting up 20 against Michigan, you know, seemed to document that. Now they've, following game, they scored, what, 11, and then the game after that, they ended up scoring five. So uh, they better find some answers, and they better find them fast, because their schedule does not get any easier moving ahead. Uh, whereas Hofstra now has Princeton coming to Long Island. And, you know, similar to some other teams, how do they handle that? Is it going to be a letdown or not? I think that Hofstra's for real. Uh, certainly, you know, they, they 
made us pay for not picking them this past weekend. I think <laughs> I think I think is going to beat Princeton. I really do. Um, and uh, you know, as an Ivy guy, I hope Princeton wins. But I just uh, I think this is a serious statement to the lacrosse world that Hofstra is back with a vengeance after a disappointing uh, you know five and nine season last year. Yeah. Now, what about? <laughs> One of the biggest questions, and we're going to mention this, I think, week after week after week with UNC, 51% through three games in the cage. And guess, I'll name the teams that they played, Michigan, Furman, and now Hofstra, but 51% through three games, that's not going to get it done either. As much as I, I love the stat you gave, uh, more turnovers than points, but 51% is not going to get it done. Um, but uh, we're going to go take a quick break here. When we get back, we'll do the players and coaches of the week. Maximize your comfort. We're back at it, AC. Quick reviews of the best games of the weekend. But now it's time for the in-your-face coaches and players of the week. Uh, player of the week, who do you got, AC? Uh, you know what? There are a couple different people that, that jumped out at me in the end uh, as an offensive player, I'm going against the grain RD and I'm going with sophomore defenseman out of Dallas, Texas from Loyola college, Foster Huggins, uh, hell JHU sniper, Ryan Brown to two goals and one assist over the course of the game. You know, I personally think Ryan Brown is the best shooter in college lacrosse and for Foster Huggins as a sophomore that I think was the fourth defenseman for them last year as a freshman, uh, to step up and perform that well in such a huge rivalry game against Crosstown Johns Hopkins, uh, you know, really bodes well for Matty Dwan's defense and, and Loyola moving ahead. So Foster Huggins, my player of the week. I love how he gave uh, Ryan Brown gave him uh, the shout out. I thought that was really good. My player of the week. I thought you know, 19 saves, 61 percent, and an OT victory against the number one, uh, number 20 team in the country at that point. Robert Shaw, I thought that yeah. the Harvard goalie, uh, the Harvard netminder, uh, to be able to stand in there in his first game, his first start, uh, to be able to do as well as he did against certainly two, two guys on Villanova, the Carr brothers, that are not shy to pull the trigger. Uh, 19 shots they saw from those two alone. 53 he saw uh, from Villanova. I thought they're, you know, to be able to give it to the goalie, and I keep giving it to goalies every week. I, I probably should start switching it up, but uh, Robert Shaw, my in-your-face player of the week. That kid's a stud. 19 saves. He cemented uh, his position uh, on the back line there for Harvard. And, uh, you know, 19, 19 shots from two brothers. I don't think college across has seen 19 shots from two brothers since my brother Tom and I. And, and the problem with the fine players, my, my, my brother Tom has 16 of those shots. Um, all right, so moving on here. Moving on to uh, coach of the week. Uh, who do you got, R.D.? Uh, there's no question in my mind, Greg Canella, uh, big time up at, upset against uh, OSU this past weekend. Uh, but what I love about Canella and UMass is his teams are representation of him, just flat out tough, and it's been year in and year out. Anytime you go to Amherst to play on the hill up there and Garber's Gorillas, uh, you're going to get a tough team. Uh, you know, much like the Towsons and Hoshers of the D1 world, you know, you have your ups and downs. However, you do know what you're going to get. You're going to get a scrappy. You're going to get a talented and tough group. Uh, Greg Canella, my coach of the week. I like it. I'm a huge fan. Uh, my coach of the week, I'm going to go with Seth Tierney. 
again, I yeah. uh, I didn't think they would have a chance of winning that game. I thought that they would get uh, beaten badly, especially coming after, as we said before, a very disappointing 5-9 and nine season in 2015 for him to come back, schedule aggressively, open up with the heels, and, uh, you know, make a huge statement with a 10-5 win over North Carolina in Chapel Hill speaks volumes about the job that, that Seth and his staff did preparing them to play uh, an ACC team this, this past weekend. You know, as we said before, kind of in reviewing the Hofstra-UNC game, it's going to be interesting to see what happens against Princeton this coming week. They play them at home. Uh, I think Seth Tierney is going to be very aware of the letdown dynamic, and I think that we're going to see Hofstra build on this Carolina win, and I, I, I see them beating Princeton this weekend. Um, so uh, Seth Tierney is my coach of the week. Love it. Uh, we're going to take another short break here. Maximize our comfort. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we get to piss everyone off, AT. Uh, and to be honest, this is actually my favorite part of the show. Picks of the week using Las Vegas lines. Uh, last week, AT, we tied. Uh, you gave me the benefit of the doubt and gave me the BU. Uh, high point game. I picked BU. You picked high point, so you gave me that one. I appreciate it. So we're that nine sucks. and five. <laughs> we're we're nine and five together here. Uh, so this weekend we got eighteen games going in. So this should separate one of us. Uh, see who's better at picking these games. But uh, you ready to go? I am. All right, perfect. We're starting off number one. Notre Dame laying nine and a half against Detroit. Who you got? Uh, at home, I got Notre Dame. I got Notre Dame. Uh, as do I. Uh, next off, we've got DU laying 10 to Sacred Heart, John Bassey. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to give Denver uh, the 10 goals for sure. And that could get really ugly as well. Uh, number four, Maryland. Going I, I, again, up. again, dude, you can't blow through oh my, my pick. Otherwise, it's not documented. Oh, dude, it's yeah. so true. It's so true. Impulse, heart, and passion are <laughs> favorable characteristics. Patience and attention to detail. Well, attention to detail is very strong. Uh, I am going to inter- interrupt, and I'm going to say Denver. Uh, I like Denver covering 10. Uh, sorry about that, AT. Number four, Maryland going up to Connecticut. New Haven, beautiful place in Connecticut. Uh, giving one. Giving one to Yale. What do you got? I'm going uh, on Andy Shea and Graham Neamey and his staff. Uh, I like Yale to not only cover one, but I like them to beat them by two goals. I think that uh, this sets up really well for Yale and doesn't set up quite as well for Browns. I like Yale. I'll take the ACC on this one. Okay. Uh, Next game, Duke laying nine at Jacksonville. What do you got? I'm going to take Duke. I'm going to take Duke. Uh, again, I think uh, two Southern teams. I'm going to take Duke, uh, giving nine. All right. In Florida, Duke laying nine, uh, coming off an emotional game versus Denver. I see Duke going up big early. Um, I'm, going to take, I'm going to take Duke as well. Hard to not take them. Loyola laying nine and a half to Lafayette. Uh, I got at home. I'm going to take Loyola. I got them laying nine and a half. These are aggressive lines and spreads, but uh, I got nine and a half Loyola. Again, another game that could get ugly. 
Yep, I think it is going to get ugly. Uh, Loyola is hitting a full cylinder. I think the last thing in the world that Charlie and his staff will do will really allow these guys to uh, to worry about anybody other than themselves. I see Loyola covering that as well. Um, number number nine, Brown, laying three and a half. Your alma mater against Stony Brook in Long Island. Who you got? Uh, this is going to be a goal hemorrhaging event. Uh, I could see I could see these teams throwing up over 35 combined goals, but uh, Brown is going to be too much at the end of the day, and I got Brown covering three and a half on the road at Stony Brook. Who you got? I think the game I think the game's going to be a lot closer than three and a half go- goals. I'll take Stony Brook to cover Brown to win. Okay, nice. Uh, Penn State weighing one and a half at home to Villanova. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to take uh, the Nittley Lions. Uh, I, you know, it, it's it's a tough one. I'm going to take the home team on this one, given uh, one and a half. Uh, Villanova's a great team, but they're Penn State's the home team. Yeah, Penn State at home. Uh, I just think this. I think they're on. A, I think they're on a mission, given the dynamic of Connor Darcy uh, and that tra- tragedy. I, I like Penn State to cover one and a half at home against Villanova as well. Number thirteen on Long Island, Hofstra. Giving one to Princeton. What do you got? As I said earlier in the podcast, uh, I like Hofstra at home. I think that Hofstra's going to come back uh, with a real strong season this year after watching what they did to UNC. They humbled me. Uh, and so as much as I want to pick the Ivy League, uh, I'm going to go with Hofstra at home. Yeah, I got Princeton. Got? I got Princeton. I got Princeton covering and winning. Uh, yep. That's what I got. Okay. Towson at home, laying one to number 17, Georgetown. What do you think? Yeah, Towson. I'm taking the home team here. Uh, not a far trip for Georgetown, but I'm taking uh, uh, Sean Madeline's crew uh, yeah, with I, the win. I, I'm with you. I think Towson's defense is too much. I can see them holding Georgetown to under five goals. I see like a seven to five, you know, something like that. I think Towson's going to cover that as well. Number 15, Harvard going to the zoo. We talked about this earlier. It's a pick em. Who do you got? You know what? I'm going to go with the home team here. Uh, I'm going to go with UMass. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a great game. I think Harvard probably has a little bit more talent, but I think UMass's toughness, particularly playing at home, uh, coming off a big, big win versus Ohio State, great panel is going to have these guys uh, worried only about Harvard. I, I see UMass answering the bell and, and beating uh, Harvard head-to-head in that game. What do you got? I'm going to take the, the Ivy Leaguers. I uh, stay strong with them every time. Uh, might change later in these picks, but uh, I got uh, Harvard on this one. Okay. You got number 16 playing at BU. Navy laying three to BU. What do you got? Uh, BU, tough one against Hartford, excuse me. Uh, I got Navy here. I think uh, it could be a three, four, five-goal game right there. Yeah, you know, I can't get a handle on BU. I, I don't know what team they are. They, they they have a great victory against High Point. They don't play that well against UMass Lowell. They uh, get pounded by Hartford. You know, I know Poley does a great job. He's a great coach. He's got some really good young players. But I actually see Navy's face-off guy uh, getting the better of Sam Talco in this game, believe it or not. I know Talco's a stud, but I see Ricky Soule and these guys covering three goals uh, and, and, and beating BU in this one. Um, Albany, number 18 Albany, laying three and a half to Drexel at home in Albany. What do you got? 
Yeah, if they can get that face-off situation, uh, you know, figured out, they obviously, you know, ran into Ben Williams, he's a big-time player, but uh, I got Albany covering here if they can get the face-off uh, uh, situation all, you know, straightened out. I agree with you. I got Albany covering 3.5. I think that they're just going to put up too many goals for Drexel to match. Um, Cornell playing at home against Hobart. Cornell's laying three and a half. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Cornell, again, I- I'm actually going to take Hobart on this one covering, but not winning. I think it's going to be a close game, but, uh, you know, again, it's still too early for, uh, uh, you know, an Ivy League team. Again, I'm going to take Cornell to win, but Hobart's cover. I think Hobart plays them, uh, plays them tough. I actually like Cornell to cover this one. Uh, and even though I'm not high on Cornell's offense right now, uh, I just feel like they're going to be ready to go. And uh, the fact that they're playing at home, I, I like Cornell to cover in a low-scoring game. So I got Cornell covering this one. Um, Bucknell traveling to Colgate. Bucknell's favored by two. Have a great start to the season. I think they're 3-0. Uh, Colgate, you know, had a tough loss to Michigan, but came back and beat, I think, Binghamton this weekend. Who do you like in this one? So every single time these two have played, it's been a one-goal game since, I don't know, 1940. Uh, I'm going to take the home team, and it's like it's basically a 50-50. This should be a pick uh, but I'm going to take the home team just purely because of the home team. If it was at Bucknell, I would have taken Bucknell, but I'm going to take Colgate here uh, plus two. I get the reasoning. I'm actually going to go in the other direction. I think the difference is that Bucknell's face-off guy is going to continue his early season dominance, and I think they're going to win the 75% of the face-offs against Colgate, and that's going to be the difference. I got Bucknell covering two versus Colgate. Uh, Denver playing at home against your alma mater and my former employer, Dartmouth. Uh, Denver laying 11 to the big green. You know, I I looked at these lines. And I'm like, oh, my God, nine and a half, ten, nine, nine and a half. And then I look, and I'm like, oh, 11. Oh, shocker. Uh, well, that only makes sense because Denver's sacred heart, 10-goal spread. It only makes sense that it worked out that Dartmouth's an 11-goal spread because sacred heart beat <laughs> Dartmouth. Uh, I took yep, Denver. Right. I, I took Denver, sacred heart. Uh, I took Denver on the 10 points there. I'm going to take Denver on the 11 points uh, for uh, against Dartmouth. This will be their second game in a row in Colorado. Uh, it's like going through a meat grinder. No way. Yep. Uh, I, listen, I would love to see Dartmouth, uh, you know, step up and cover this game and, and, and put a good showing in. But the stat that makes me terrified for Dartmouth, not only is the back-to-back game uh, out in Denver, but – more so the fact that Dartmouth's faceoff guy, I think, won four out of 22 faceoffs or something like this against Sacred Heart, and they're going into Denver to go against Trevor Baptiste. I could see Trevor Baptiste winning all of the faceoffs. Uh, so I've got Denver to cover uh, land 11 to Dartmouth as well. Um, Syracuse playing in the dome against Army. Syracuse is laying five and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think this is the same Army team in the last couple of years. They definitely have a slow start. I've got Q's in the Dome. I, I pretty much, you can pretty much guarantee I'm always going to choose Q's in the Dome. <laughs> uh, so I got Q's covering uh, six goals. So it's a big spread right there, but I got them covering six. Yeah, I got the same thing. Army always plays you tough. They always seem to play Syracuse tough. 
look, they're gonna they're gonna beat up Syracuse physically uh, like they do, uh, you know, most of the teams that they play. But I just don't see them having an answer for losing 75% of the faceoffs, and that's what I see Syracuse winning. I just don't see them being able to stop them. I got Syracuse covered five and a half over Army as well. Uh, big matchup down at Homewood. Number eight, Hopkins playing against North Carolina. Hopkins is favored by one at home against Carolina. Who do you got? So this is where uh, my whole Loyola Hopkins theory comes in. Are they for real? Uh, as much as everyone likes the dog on North Carolina, I still would put them a little higher than most people would. They've got the, you know, they've got all the pieces. They're just going to play a lot better. I'm actually going to take North Carolina uh, beating Hopkins by a few goals here at, at in Homewood Stadium. Uh, not a not a traditionally popular pick, but that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, you know what? I uh, strangely agree with you here. I think that you know two thirds of North Carolina's roster is more from Maryland than Johns Hopkins is. Um, you know, and I see Carolina bouncing back with a uh, with a chip on their shoulder. They're going to respond. They had a disappointing loss against Hofstra this weekend. I think we're going to see Hofstra be a much better team than people think, and uh, I think North Carolina shows up in the best fashion that they can this weekend, and I think it's enough to beat Hopkins. i got Carolina covering that. I think I'm winning outright. Uh, yeah, perfect. Last game. Last game. Uh, Dom Starcia against his prior assistant coach, Mike Murphy. We play the – we got Pennsylvania traveling to Virginia. Virginia laying one-and-a-half goals to UPenn. UPenn coming off a great win versus Michigan. Virginia – off to a roller coaster start. You know, are they going to let down? What do you got, RD? Uh, I, I think this game is going to be very, very similar to the Virginia Drexel game. Uh, going to uh, Charlottesville is going to be a tough road trip for Penn. Uh, in a bus, I'm sure uh, I've got Virginia not only covering that, but probably somewhere around six or seven goals or so. Uh, I disagree with you, so I'm in your face. Uh, I think that uh, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Pennsylvania always plays the ACC teams well, whether it's Duke, whether it's North Carolina, whether it's Maryland, whether it's Virginia. Uh, you know, I just think that in true Virginia fashion, I think that they digress coming off of the win against Drexel in Pennsylvania, and I have uh, I have Pennsylvania in an upset. Here, uh, I could see 10-8, something like that. Um, I, I like the way that Penn staff has them playing. I know they've got some great young guys. I think the staff will take the pressure off of those guys. And uh, I, I like Penn in an upset here. In your face, game of the week. Uh, who do you got? Who do you have for the in-your-face in your game of the week, AK? Uh, the game of the week, a.k.a. Rock Bottom Bowl, VMI at NJIT. If it was hoop, I would be jumping on NJIT, but I am going to go with VMI and Coach Bernzer and Coach Solantani. I think that, uh, you know, a military school with uh, a former Navy uh, midshipman as the head coach, I just think that VMI is going to beat them up. I got VMI. Uh, I'm going to take New Jersey on this one. This could be our uh, 50-51 here uh, settling uh, dispute. Uh, I'm going to take Jersey in Jersey. Uh, I think it's a little tough for anyone to travel up there, uh, especially that kind of a road trip. You know they're going to be in a bus. Uh, getting off that bus, I think that uh, this could be the one, 
the big win for both programs if they can pull it off and maybe the only one of the season based on their schedules coming up. So I got New Jersey. You've got VMI. That's it for the show today. Thank you so much for all of our listeners. We'll be back next week with more uh, recaps, more guests. Uh, In the meantime, maximize your comfort, and please give us feedback. Tune in next week. Thanks a lot.